Exciting news before we get into this. We now have official Cancelled Movie Report merchandise. So if you like the show and you want to support us, hit the link in the episode notes. Now, onto the show. Hello and welcome to Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series that talks about the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me, as always, so predictable, it's actor and comedian, Mr. Eden Porter. That's, thank you very much for having me. I've always been Mr. Predictable. Yes. It's what people say behind your back. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I should let you know. Yeah, thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, we were riding high. We had a very special guest oh, last man. week. Stephanie I cannot wait until we figure out who the guest is this week, Cambo. <laughs> well, it's just, it's the gruesome twosome oh, this week. Oh, is it? We're back to the classic. Actually, I prefer that, Cambo. Oh, I prefer good. that. <laughs> and this week, uh, so... Off the back of our, I'm going to say, surprisingly well-received At the Mountains of Madness episode from last yes. season. Yeah, very. We've got a lot of great feedback about that episode. Yeah, people seem to really like it. It won't surprise you to learn that uh, we got a lot of Guillermo del Toro requests yeah. through because obviously that was a Guillermo del Toro project. And a this- Guillermo del Toro joint? Yes, joint. Yeah, yeah. I think he's famous for calling them joints. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's him. Yeah. Uh, this one was actually requested by a few people. It was requested by uh, Rene Valdez and a, a Cinema Enema on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> so, you know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and this is all about a the failed adaption of Justice League Dark. Ooh. Can that- we have can we have like a lightning sound effect coming over there? Are you ready? Yep. There it is. Oh, <laughs> spare no expense, Kevin. <laughs> and without any further ado, let's get it. The Justice League Dark is a fairly new concept to the world of DC, relatively speaking. But since issue one, there has been interest growing in a film based on the series from a slew of directors. Well, in 2013, DC kicked off their own admittedly rocky, cinematic universe, and they were looking for projects to compete with Marvel. Enter favourite filmmaker of this show, Guillermo del Toro, with a passion for the obscure and a love for the characters featured in the Justice League Dark books, and with a fan-favourite character, John Constantine, as the leader, what could go wrong? They've already done a Constantine film, Campo. I'm confused. They have. A and- great, well-received Constantine <laughs> film. And uh, they... they- they diverted not from the books. I'll have you know. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yes. Yeah, good. Here's a question. What the hell is Justice League Dark? What the hell is Justice League Dark? Isn't it like it's very similar to the Justice League with a spooky version sort of we've got some magic in there. That's we've correct. got creature features That's and things correct. like that. Yeah. So, EVS, I have a little bit of a history of the Justice League Dark because I feel like the general public might not be as yep. aware of this concept. Uh, the Justice League, Batman, Superman, all, all of that. All the big names. They fight the big supervillains, the Lex Luthers and such. Yeah. But anything magical, anything mystical, they anything a bit spooky, that's where you get the Justice League dark. <gasps> and it's full of like the kookier side of the DC universe. Uh, so Justice League dark, uh, the team would make appearances. Or the first appearance officially was in Justice League dark number one in September 2011. So it's a okay, very so it's new very team. Recently. Yeah. Arguably... They kind of debuted all the way back in Swamp Thing when Alan Moore was writing unofficially. Yep. All the characters got together for the first time. But this was But the, as a team, yeah. 2011 is where they first debuted. So they, they, But they were in Swamp Thing. 
So this is made up uh, much like, uh, I guess, the Guardians of the Galaxy. They were all individual characters and someone just put them on a team. Yeah. So all of the Guardians of the Galaxy characters were already characters out there in the Marvel Universe. And someone's like, let's make a team. We'll get Groot. We'll get Rocket Raccoon. We'll get Drax. They were all existing and they just put them together. It's exactly the same thing. That's what Justice League Dark did. So, yeah, it features the more supernatural characters in the DC universe, and they handle mystical threats and uh, and situations that are deemed too strange in scope for the traditional Justice League. Because that's one of Superman's, uh, besides kryptonite, yeah, magic, magic is his other big weakness. So you got to get some support there. Yeah. That's when you call Justice League Dark. Yeah, so uh, created by Peter Milligan in DC, uh, he wrote the first eight issues. And then it was taken over from there by Jeff Lemire, who's a very renowned comic writer, wrote things like Sweet Tooth and uh, oh, a yep. very acclaimed yep. kind of writer. But it wasn't long after the series launched that there were immediately rumors that there might be a, a, movie. a movie. And one of the people that was interested, Guillermo del Toro. Toro. He started developing it because he loves the mystic. He loves the monsters. He loves all that monster cr- creature features. And when you look through the team of the Justice League Dark. Can we go to the, through the team? Yeah. Can we go through the yeah. team? Yeah. Let's do so it. So let's start with John Constantine. Yep. So this is uh, this is the most like nerd pushing up my glasses <laughs> um, actually that I'll get. Okay. Is his name isn't John Constantine. What? Is this fact of the podcast, Cameron? His name is John Constantine. What? That is how you are supposed to pronounce his name. Joe Con- John Constantine. 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 Yes. So Why would you say that? The American version of that name is John Constantine. But John Constantine is an Englishman. And Alan Moore, who created John Constantine, has said in no uncertain terms, it's Constantine, Constantine. not Constantine. And oh there God, are actually many... Many uh, like panels in the book where he corrects people. Oh, that, so says, that is now written in rhymes with wine, not teen. So in the comic, canonically, he corrects people. Yes. So it's like this meta thing. Yes. It's like people are getting his this name right. So yeah. I'm going to actually write it into the comic book. And, and, and I yet think, people still continue to call him John Constantine. Yes, Constantine is is the very American pronunciation. pronunciation. And I think the movie Constantine. Really sealed that for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Massively. But it is John Constantine. And he very much in Jeff Lemire's run took over as the leader. He was yes, the leader. He, yeah, he, that's my understanding that he's sort of. Yes, yeah, early on they were the led shots. by a character called Madame Xanadu, who's kind of like a, a fortune teller yeah. mystic. Yeah. Um, but she Does she got, wear a top hat? Uh, no, you're thinking of Zatanna. Oh, I'm thinking. The next member of the Justice oh, okay, League. Okay, sorry. Yep. No. Zatanna. I, my knowledge is like up here, Cambo, yeah. and you've you've just got to focus it. In. Okay. That's what I'm here to do. Okay. So Zatanna, yeah, she is a stage magician. Yes. And she actually has mystic powers like her father, Zatara. Oh. Uh, and she's most notably for, to evoke her spells, just to speak backwards. That's oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. Uh, we also have the character Dead Tray Pusip. <laughs> yeah, good. Pick a bar. What the hell's pick a bar? Yeah, go. Uh, we have Dead Man. Oh, yeah, Dead Man. Also known as Boston Brand. And now he is a ghost of uh, an assassinated acrobat. Mm. Uh, and his power is he can possess bodies of the living. He can jump inside of people. Yeah, love he it. takes them over. So that's Dead Man, Boston Great. Brand. We have Jason Blood. Oh. So Jason Blood, he's the mortal vessel of the demon Etragon. Yes, Etragon, yeah. I'm Think of him essentially like the Hulk. Yeah. 
Etragon is the Hulk, the big demon out. that comes out. He can't control Etragon once Etragon's out. And Jason Blood, he's a very like foppish English man. Yeah. Um, Would you call him mild mannered? Uh, he's quite, uh, I don't know, he's not mild mannered. <laughs> he's more like uppity and posh. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. And, and yes, him and Etragon don't get along. Like, Different personalities, yes. oil and water, Cambo. Exactly. But he's been living for a very, very long time. And then lastly, and this is really the in for Guillermo del Toro. This is Swamp, Swamp Thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Alec Holland, to be exact. Uh, and probably with Constantine, the most well-known no, of yeah, the Justice League Dark. Yeah. Humanoid plant elemental creature. Uh, he's a swamp monster that resembles an anthropomorphic mound of like vegetable matter. And he fights to protect his swamp. Yeah. Um, he's great. Very well regarded from, there's a run of Alan Moore comic books called The Saga of Swamp Thing back in the 80s. Introduced John Constantine. Introduced a lot of the characters from the Justice League Dark. And a favorite character of Guillermo del Toro. So he started on this project quite early. And we actually have uh, a little bit about him talking about the project. Uh, The title at the time was actually called Dark Universe. A title that's now been tainted by. Hang on, Cambo. The dark. I only universe. know one famous dark universe. <laughs> and what a universe it is! Yeah, and what, how many films do they have now? Like seven or I eight. I can't films? even count. Yeah, it's. Like- <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah, it, the original title was Dark Universe, uh, but very much based on the Justice League Dark comic books. Yeah. Uh, but he he does refer to it as Dark Universe in this clip. But he's talking about the project and and how it's coming together. So speaking of Warner Brothers, you, I, that rumor had floated. A- month or two ago about this um, the DC supernatural the dark universe. heroes yeah I'm doing I'm, I'm, I'm working on it we uh, I'm writing the outline and we already are in talks with a with a writer uh, a very very good writer I think people are going to be happy with okay. who, who we have chosen and he accepted and uh, I've been courting that, this writer for because I think he's a perfect guy for this job and, and uh, we, we're doing it. It's, 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 hopefully, it'll happen. I mean, we we don't know until they greenlight the movie. Sure. You know? What is the title? Is it dark? Right now, the working uh, title is Dark Universe. Dark Universe. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a very exciting time okay. to be a comics fan. I'm very excited, and and uh, hopefully, you know, it'll happen. I I I, I don't control my destiny. As I <laughs> right. have time and again. <laughs> So there you go. He he was in talks. He's very interested. He he loved a lot of the characters that were in it. Yeah, Kemet, it's interesting to know. It it's never been more excited to be a comic book <laughs> in the most monotone yeah. freaking voice ever. Wow. Well that that's amazing. My wow. socks have been blown up. <laughs> stop. Please stop. You're you're too much. So around the same time as Man of Steel was released. It was officially announced that Guillermo del Toro was working on a Justice League Dark film at this point, still titled Dark Universe. So this was right around Man of Steel. This was at the beginning of DC. This is DC. right at the start yeah, of yeah, DC yeah. Universe. Yes. Yeah. So he actually went to Comic-Con uh, and he talked a little bit more about this and specifically how he wanted to tackle the film in regards to all introducing all these new characters but not being bogged down in the origin stories as well. So here's a little bit of him explaining how he thought it would work. My question is concerning your next project. I'm speaking, of course, of Justice League Dark, a.k.a. Dark Universe. Yeah. My, my question is, how are you uh, planning on uh, covering all the different origin stories to all these wonderful characters like Swamp Thing and Deadman? 
And uh, if you could give us any production updates whatsoever, that'd be um, yeah. We uh, on on Justice uh, League Dark, as you say, or, or Dark Universe. What we're doing is, uh, I finished the Bible, and then we're gonna start the screenplay with a writer that I hope we can announce very soon. Uh, but that uh, in, what I'm doing is, I'm starting the lead character that guides us through that. It's a it's a, a constant. So it's constant. Uh, blonde, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, he he's basically going trying to recruit these guys. I'm using, for example, on Edric, and I'm using sort of the, for, the Forever Knights. You know, I'm using the idea of uh, Jason Blood being part of the uh, Knights of uh, at the time of Merlin. You know, we try, we get to their origin through through the story. We don't we don't make the origin story. Uh, at the top, we find it out as they each have a mystery to solve. You know, obviously Alec Holland is the one. Uh, Swamp Thing is at peace with who he is, but uh, Deadman still needs to find out who shot him. So you know, these things are wo woven in. Uh, but since I was a kid, my my two favorite characters on the entire DC universe were Etrigan and Swamp Thing. So I'm in, I'm in heaven for that. Sega. He's very excited. He, he he loves this kind of he's stuff. Very excited about it. And he's how do we find out who this writer is, Cambo? Because we do. There's been a big tease. That he's has. very pumped about this writer. Yes. So this writer, um, yes, they hired a writer, uh, a gentleman by the name of Michael Gillio. Now, Michael Gillio, uh, you, you may not have I've heard of him. I've never heard that name. Uh, so he is actually akin to someone we've talked to on this podcast before with Justin Marks the writer of um, uh, Green Arrow. Yep. Uh, Michael Gillio has had quite a long career of writing on projects, but not necessarily getting, getting all, yeah, or getting like all the way through production until recently. Failed projects. Yes. Until yeah. recently, uh, he actually wrote Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, the new Dungeons and Dragons yes. that just came out. So similar to Justin Marks, <laughs> when we talked about it, he didn't have any credits and then he was writing Top Gun. Top Gun, yeah. So yes, Holy. very similar. So Michael Gilio was the writer that they got on board to script this with Guillermo del Toro. Now, can I need to admit something to you. And oh, I okay. really hope you don't mind this. Okay, Camo, here we go. At the beginning, let me of, let me put on my <laughs> confession please, booth, please. At, at the beginning of this, I said I was stoked because it's just you and me. Yeah, but I, I lied because we do have a guest on this episode. What? I actually, I I went off without you and I talked to somebody, <gasps> and I hope this is okay. I'm going to get them to introduce themselves now. Uh, hi, I'm Michael Gilio, <laughs> and I wrote Justice League Dark. <laughs> what? It's going on, Kevin. So I sat down with Michael Gillio. No way. And asked him all about this project. And we're going to be hearing from him <laughs> throughout this episode. You've hoodwinked me, Kevin. <laughs> This is amazing. Yes, Michael Gillio. How did you not tell me about this for, in this lead-up? For this very moment. This is amazing. For this very moment. Can we do this with every project <laughs> and get the writers on, Cambo? I, I, I certainly wish we could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. How did you get? How, how did this come about? Don't you worry about what okay, old Cambo okay. is doing and how he did it or who he, whose DMs who he's he into. <laughs> how much money? Yeah, exactly. So I asked Michael Gillio. How'd you get involved in this? And this is what he said. Yeah, I got a call just out of the blue from an executive that I knew at Warner Brothers. Uh, and she called me and simply said, 
Guillermo del Toro wants to talk to you. Um, which floored me. I'm a huge fan of, huge, huge fan of Guillermo del Toro's. And, and so I uh, obviously said, sure, uh, you know, anytime. As you would. As I would. Uh, um, and he uh, thought I would be appropriate for a, you know, hush, hush DC project. So obviously I said I was interested in, in having that call. They, uh, and they sent over to me uh, a couple packets, like a visual, just an introduction to the to Justice League Dark. And uh, Guillermo was calling it Dark Universe at the time. And it was an introduction, you know, photos and illustrations and just a great big Bible of, of, of DC history of the Dark Universe. And also about a 55-page treatment that Guillermo had worked on and a bit of a mission statement of what how he saw the dark universe uh and how he saw it like kind of an expansive plan of what he wanted to do with this it was like it came in like three movements and where it was going to go and everything and it was going to start off with dark universe that was going to be the first movie so it was very ambitious and the treatment was uh you know just bringing with all these ideas and characters and it was very rough, and they had, you know, it was uh, what they call a scriptment. You know, there was some scenes, yeah. and then there's like lots of beats, and then just kind of descriptions, and it was just bursting with a lot of inventive ideas, and it was rough and unstructured. And he wanted to talk to me about potentially writing the script. Wow! Got a call out of the blue. That's amazing. Just saying, oh yeah, Guillermo del Toro wants to talk to you. Would you be interested in that? Uh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let me check the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm free. Yeah, I'm free. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Imagine getting that phone call, Calvin. I know, right? Just, oh. And what, can I just say, one of the smoothest, most buttery voices we've yeah. had on. Yeah, and he's a handsome fella. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Ticking all the boxes. The, the other thing I wanted to know as well, this is at the beginning of the DC Universe, Man of Steel yeah. just releasing. And I, I was curious as to whether or not they were told to make connections to the DC universe or What's to not make because yeah. it's been a DC. Yeah, there's been no consistency in that regard. Not so much. So I was curious about that. My memory was this was supposed to be separate standalone because um, I got in trouble a couple times in drafts. <laughs> I, I mentioned certain characters or bring another whatever, and they were like, no, 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 you can't do that. You know. We're doing our own thing over here, and you know, and, and there were usually jokes, you know, pot shots and certain the superhero characters or or the costumes, as as Constantine would call them, and and there, and also I, at some point later on, when after Guillermo had left the project, there was more storylines we were trying to bring into it that you know there were off limits. So yeah, I, it was. It was always designed as something separate. And like I said, Guillermo had a whole ambitious plan of how to unroll all of that. So, so little things there, multiple films. Yeah. Like this is the first film. Yeah. So I guess it, this was like the, there was the DC universe. This was the DC dark, dark universe. universe. The other thing, it's interesting that they like, so he, he was just saying that he wrote in like little jabs and little yeah. things like that, which is funny because that's just exactly what, 
James Gunn did with Peacemaker. Yeah. Because you know how he makes <laughs> things about uh, uh-huh. Batman and uh-huh. Aquaman and stuff? And th- they were fine with that. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. Well, I suppose the place had already burnt down by that point. So <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, like do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we've got a good stage here now. We, we know the characters that we're going to meet. We know what Guillermo is going for. We know the writer. And, and Michael will explain a couple of things throughout the episode. Here's the thing. If you're interested in this chat with Michael Gilio, the whole uncut interview will actually be up on our Patreon. I love it. I'll put it up after the second episode releases because we do Spoilers. talk about spoiling yep. things. Yep. But we talk for like 40 minutes. Really? So, so what a the whole guy. interview. I know. I, I, I was, I was thrilled that he gave us that much time. <laughs> uh, before we get into the story, uh, I've got to give some story credit to Super Void Cinema, fantastic YouTube yep. uh, channel. They actually do a really interesting video on the deep dive of the history of this book and this movie production. Uh, and I took the basic uh, plot outline that they use in their video. Obviously, we expanded in our show. We added everything. But full credit to them. Parts of this are from his video as well. Without any further ado, shall we get into Justice League Dark? The film opens in what's described as the void, a cosmic nothingness, wind howling in the dark, existential dread. Then we cut to a giant cave in East Antarctica. A solitary figure holding a flare approaches an impossibly high wall of ice, and he uses a pickaxe to hack away. Two heavy books trapped in the ice fall free. The books are weathered, ancient and ominous. A gloved hand wipes away the snow, revealing an inscription. From somewhere deep in the core of the world, there's a rumbling. The figure quickly shoves the books into a satchel as the Arctic sun is suddenly blocked by the moon, creating a total solar eclipse. We see black storm clouds race across the sky, and we hear the voice of John Constantine, and he says, Vast as our universe is, it is ruled by only two forces. The light, the giver of life and the dark, the force of decay and destruction. Light and dark, life and death. These forces are always at war, always. But between these opposing forces, there's a dividing line, a blurring, an overlap. This is the realm of magic. But when you play with magic, when you trick the universe into giving you something you haven't earned, you pay for it. You always pay for it. Oh, that sounds like John Constantine. This is something I was very specific about is I've always wanted to hear him as he should be a proper scouser. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. That that's my that's my mental yes, image of yes, it as well. Yeah, that's that, that's Dom Steele playing Constantine. Oh, really? Yes, perfect. Pitch perfect. perfect. Yes, yes, love yes. it. Interestingly, the last Guillermo del Toro project we talked about was at the Mountains of Madness, hmm. starting very similar in Antarctica and storms and light and darkness and dare I pull it out again? Is there a spooky warning? Oh, <laughs> oh, do we have it? <sighs> Look. I'm going to play it. Yeah, good. Okay. This isn't as spooky as that. Because that was genuinely spooky. That was genuinely There's, spooky. The kids had to go to bed, Cam, but it was so spooky. I tell you what, I, I, I'll play it again, but I'll turn it down. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there we go. 
That in some way that made it slightly spookier. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> is that a child singing in the background? Oh, that's unsettling. Is it a, a merry-go-round? We cut to Atlanta as a biblical thunderstorm batters down onto the freeway. The storm is violent, and there's a hunched man wearing a heavy hooded cloak hidden in the shadows. He carries a wooden staff and it's clicking by his side. He digs into a satchel and he scatters red seeds like pebbles across the freeway pavement. The seeds embed into the ground and then from beneath the concrete, from out of the red seeds, a forest starts growing up from the ground, spiraling upwards, higher than skyscrapers blotting out the sun. It's chaos. Vehicles are ramming into trees, exploding. The cops wearily approach the man. They have him surrounded now. Their weapons trained on him until the ground suddenly explodes around them and black tendrils snake up and wrap around them, tossing them across the sky. An ancient black forest has emerged in the middle of this freeway. The man's eyes glow red as he speaks into the watching TV cameras. Civilization is a cancer. I am its cure. Surrender in the past. Who is this man? This is... What's going on? He's spooktacular, mate. It's a bit supernatural. Yeah. You wouldn't call him Batman for this. Mate, the last person I'm calling him (laughs) is Aquaman, Batman... The Flash and Superman. Yeah. This guy, you don't know what's happening here. No. He's got seeds. He's got a forest. <laughs> He's hooded. He's hooded. <laughs> we now cut to a cheap New York motel room. It's John Constantine's room. There's a photograph of Zatanna and himself in happier times on his mirror. He watches the news. He recognises the man on screen as Jason Woodrow. He also recognises that this is a declaration of war. And only a mercenary like himself can help. As the solar eclipse remains in the sky, Constantine travels to a used bookstore called Third Eye Books, where he meets a man named Carl Carnahan, a collector who has somehow acquired the world's most forbidden books of spells and magic. We now cut to a rinky-dink New York diner. A confused Carnahan sits with Constantine as he tells him some bad news. Oh, a dabbler in the dark arts, eh? Amateur Mahatma, weekend wizard. Tell me, what is it that you desire from the books of magic? Immortality? Godlike powers? A bigger Johnson, perhaps? Look here, mate. I don't know how you acquired the world's most forbidden books of spells and invocations, and frankly, I don't care. But the mere discovery of these books and your sneaky little dealings have triggered a cosmic rupture of catastrophic propositions which is a very, very bad thing. Who are you, exactly? Constantine. John Constantine. Occult detective. Rogue mage. Iconoclast. So, you want me... Yes, sir. ...to give to you... The books of magic. Yes, please. Which would then allow you to... Return the books to their rightful place, save the world and everyone in it. But not me. No. Not you. You're going to die in uh, three minutes now. So, I don't mean to come off as insensitive, mate. I understand that this is a lot to process in a short amount of time, but seriously, Carl, bloke, the state of the cosmic order is presently in your hands. So please, stop blinking vacantly at me and man up, Capiche. Sir, you cannot smoke in here. Pardon me? Oh, no, no. I'm sorry, love. 
No pickles, please. I like pickles. It doesn't matter what you like, Carl. You're not going to uh, eat it. I, I, I want my burger to go, please, with pickles and quickly. Yes, quickly. You have two minutes now. Sir, I won't say it again. Putting it out, putting it out. Carl, we don't have much time. How, how do you know my name? Carl Carnahan. Antique book dealer. Tax cheat. Closeted Satanist. I know all about you, Carl. You've been a very naughty lad. Playing with powerful things that are beyond your comprehension. What do you want? The key. The one to your safe with the books in it. Behind the oak bookshelf in the east wing of your penthouse suite. Where is it? I don't like this conversation. I am leaving. Do you have the key on you? No, I... Uh, there, there is no key. What do you mean there is no key? Here's your burger. Carl. Carl. Whoever you are, but please, I beg you, please, don't hurt Christ, me. Christ, who do you think I am? Let's uh, say I would open the safe for you. Would you spare me my life? There's no bargain in here, mate. If it were up to me, I'd buy you a pint and we'd have a laugh. You played with magic, Carl. Real magic. And when you make games of real black magic, you pay for it. You always pay for it. You are gonna die. How do you know? Are you familiar with the cosmic avatar of destiny, member of the endless and presider of the garden of the Falking Ways? Huh? It is written in his book. Just trust me on this. There's no use running away from it. You can do the world a lot of good by handing over the key. The books are in my safe. I don't want anything to do with them anymore. I... Odd things are happening all around me. I got scared. I sold them. They no longer belong to me. Sold them? To whom? He was gonna pick them up tonight. Who? Who is gonna pick them up? We can't allow the books to fall into the wrong hands. Who is it? If I tell you... No time. Just give me the key. I am the key. It's a fingerprint reader. See? My right hand is the key. You must be joking. Bollocks. I love Constantine. It's so good. <laughs> He's so good. It's so good. It's... It's re Yeah. It's really... <laughs> like... It's exactly like... Some of the descriptions and 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 some of the scenes... Literally feel like comic book panels. Yeah, like you can see them so clearly in yeah. your head. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty a amazing. cheeky little reference to the Sandman comics there as well yeah. with the Endless. Yes, yeah, Destiny yes, member of the Endless. Yes, uh, which I'm loving as well. Problem is during this scene, obviously, time's run out. Time, well, three minutes. He had three minutes. So during this scene, we get what I can only describe as like a uh, Rube Goldberg style. Oh, you're talking Final Destination style, where little things start. I love that you mentioned Final Destination. Oh, really? During this scene, we see two movers loading in a giant swordfish into a into a van. A sword? Hang on, a swordfish. A swordfish. Okay. And it's one of those scenes where someone trips and hits someone that knocks yep. something yep. over. This this whole kerfuffle ends with Carnahan. This, this, this series of freakish accidents occur all at once, resulting in Carl Carnahan being impaled by the swordfish. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love dying. it. I love it. 
That's that's exactly Final Destination style, <laughs> where the thing that you think is going to kill him doesn't end up killing him. It's death catching up, and oh, oh my god! So I thought it. death by swordfish. That's weird. That's a great death. Hey, Michael Gilio, what's the dealio? <gasps> There's one aspect I did want to ask you about, which is early on in the script there is a death by swordfish. Yes, uh, which was a very almost Buster Keaton esque yeah. kind of montage of this this happenstance of death. <laughs> How did that come about and what was the idea behind adding some kind of like wacky Final Destination style Buster Keaton yeah. into the script? It's funny you should say that. That that was actually, it was in the treatment and I have it here right in front of me. Oh. And I actually have written at that moment, it says, Final Destination Buster Keaton. Say, <laughs> 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 so, I'm, I'm not kidding. It was right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, what's up, Doc? Uh, but uh, that was Guillermo's idea. Although I, you know, like I said, as I as I started to read all the comics, that that scene is actually from Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. That right. that whole sequence happens with the swordfish. The whole thing is in Alan Moore's uh, Swamp Thing. That's amazing. Yeah, that is literally amazing. You thought it. I thought it, it. Michael Gillier thought We're it. We're all thinking it. <laughs> We're all That's thinking fantastic. It. We should all get together and watch Final Destination. <laughs> So Constantine, he, he like rifles through the dead man's pockets until he finds a business card marked Jason Blood. But what does he want with those books? He seems to recognize mm. this name. He wonders this as he attempts and fails to cut off the dead man's finger. <laughs> yeah, good. As Constantine continues to do this, a swarm of flies start appearing, buzzing around his head. And then suddenly we see Clarion, the witch boy. So this is a more obscure DC character. I've never heard of Clarion the Witch Boy. He he is like a he's a I tell you actually he's a ten year old boy, uh, blue face, and he essentially can turn into like flies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. great power. If flies are about, Clarion is about. Okay, it's gonna be. But he's a uh, he's a his, super. Is he only power? He can turn into flies. Uh no, he's 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 got kind of general supernatural okay. ability. Um, but he is like a nefarious character. Yeah, and, and he and he would be played by Jeff Goldblum, ten year old boy. Yeah, yeah, Jeff yeah, Goldblum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turning into a fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, camera. I gotta keep up. I gotta keep up. So, Clarion the Witch Boy. All these flies come around. Clarion the Witch Boy uh, arrives, and he tells him that that Woodrow is a doctor and a botanist, and is working on a personal secret doomsday project to destroy civilization as we know it. And that Woodrow is searching for the same books that Constantine is. Clarion, he then starts to taunt John by telling him that, you know, Zatanna has actually moved on from you. <laughs> and now she's ma- going to marry an accountant. And there's also a running, a weird running gag that Clarion is like in love with Zatanna as well. He's like this love f- oh. forlorn boy. Anyway, he kind of gives one last jab at John being like, she doesn't love you anymore. She's getting married and he disappears. Into flies. Yeah, into flies. Yeah. We see Woodrow in his lab. He's hunched over a microscope. His desk is stacked with botany textbooks and documents and folders and chemicals labelled bio-restorative formula. He's lost in thought. He's searching for a gateway to the web that connects all living things. The network of eyes and ears that see and hear everything, know everything. The planet's lifeblood. The engine that powers the universe. His eyes glow dimly red. 
From a drawer, he pulls out a hypodermic needle filled with a bright fluorescent green formula, and he jabs some into the green tree bark that has started to form on his own body. A tiny black flowerbud suddenly twists up from a bank covered near his forearm. It seems he can communicate with the plants, but he's still a little bit too weak, that his intelligence is still too human. He gazes at a newspaper clipping. It's a photo of a beautiful woman with white hair, Abby Arcane, and she's embracing the monster of the swamp. Wherever you are, Alec Holland, whatever you have lost, you have something I want. How does Swamp Thing work into all this? Well, Constantine, he drinks at a bar and he decides that he needs to form a crew, a save the world kind of crew. And he contacts Abby Arcane and gives her the rundown and he asks, will Swamp Thing help? But it becomes clear that Constantine and Abby, they've had a previous fling in the past. John gets around, man. So you know what? No, Swamp Thing and his love, Abby Arcane, will not be helping. Oh it's no! It's a bit too awkward. So he slept with Swamp Thing's missus, mate. And then they're not helping. So that's that's. So I'm assuming Swamp Thing's not in the rest of the film now. He never appears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we now cut to Abby arriving at the swamp. It's important. We have to talk. I know you're there. I can feel you, Alec. I am not Alec. Alec, you're needed. I heard from... John Constantine. He said... John Constantine? Never again. I told you never. You were never to speak to him. Woodrue. Woodrue. Did I know him once? Woodrue? I f- forget. I forget so much. He stole your formula, Alec. Remember? He's now using it for his own purposes. He's become something not human. Overtook one of the largest highways in the country, destroyed it using your formula, Alan, in a matter of seconds. Are you there? You feel so distant, Alan. I want to get close to you. Why should I help the humans? Because you were human once. Once. It feels like a character I read about in a book as a child. A scientist who was going to change the world. But this naive man, he was sabotaged, his formula stolen. I remember Woodrow. He betrayed me. Oh, Alec. There's nothing left of Alec Holland in me anymore. I am not human. You are human. 
you're the most loving, most gentle, most human man that I've ever met. I'm a monster. Leave me. Oh. Leave me. You are human, Alec. So I should point out in this scene, we don't really see Swamp Thing. Oh, so he doesn't actually come out of the swamp. Yeah, because he is connected to all of the swamp. Yep. And we we kind of hearing his voice all over the place, but he never shows himself in this scene. Can you just rock up at any swamp and have a chat with him or not? No, no. Or is there, it one particular there's, there's swamp? A, there's, a, there's a swamp. There's this particular to, swamp. likes to swamp around. Okay, yeah, okay yeah. good. Okay, good. <laughs> but this is, this is how we're seeing Swamp Thing uh, – he in fact is kind of the reason that Woodrow, the villain of the film, is 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 even you know transforming himself. So is Woodrow? Can I just ask: Is Woodrow a known villain, or has he uh, sort of been a combination? Of- yes, uh, Woodrow, and I guess the character that Woodrow becomes yep. is. Um, I, I don't know enough about them yeah. to speak that confidently on like how prevalent they are. Yeah, but yes, yeah, based on a real character. So Constantine, he actually reconnects with Dead Man, aka Boston Brand. He was the great trapeze artist that was shot. And uh, he's, he's been looking for the people that murdered him. But when we see them, they're talking in a park and Boston's actually in somebody else's uh, body. body yeah. And Constantine, it appears as if he's talking to a young boy. Yeah. Just sitting on a park bench. And good. the young boy's being rude. Uh, and while originally telling John that he actually wants nothing to do with this group, they suddenly they spot a bank robbery happening in the distance and dead man he seems to recognize some of the crooks were they involved in his murder and then we get this chase scene where dead man is chasing down the crooks and he's jumping, jumping. from body yeah, to body good. i was gonna say something like that would be really yeah, cool so he's actually trying to he's trying to keep up with him so as boston is chasing the crooks he's jumping between people at one point he even jumps into john and he, he uses constantine as a vessel to chase these guys and jump back out of him and constantine's kind of annoyed about that but yeah, during the scene, he goes from the little boy to a passing jogger into a cop. It's quite a That's fun, good. Quite yeah. a fun sequence. Yeah. But in the end, these criminals, they know nothing about his murder. It's, it's a waste of time. Oh, it's another dead end. So then we cut to Constantine sitting with Boston in a pub, pitching him his plan. Jump into some other wanker like you jumped into me. So what? It hurts me to jump into a cramper. Cramper? A dead guy. A stiff. It's like trying to move inside a cement suit. Look, it's simple. Reanimate a dead body, take him for a little spin so we can get past the security guards at his penthouse suite, use his hand as the key to the safe where the books of magic are stashed, save the world, blah blah blah, and then we're all done. Simple. And then we use the books to... Make a human again. Yes, of course. What do you say then? And what do you get out of this? Your friendship? <laughs> Consider this an olive branch for what happened last time. You lied to me. About everything. You told me you were- Using ectoplasm to talk to my dead granny. Yes, I did. Your grandmother is alive and well and living in Liverpool. Do you know how painful it is to extract that psychic crap from my body? And you used it to get high? I'm off it, mate. Sober now, see? Steady as a rock. One day at a time. How do I know I can trust you? Boston. You're tuned into unearthly things. You must know the universe is unbalanced. Sick. You feel it. Woodrow. Never heard of him. 
The books are very powerful. They can help you, hurt you, save the world or destroy it. We can't let the books fall into Wudru's hands. You've seen the books then? Well, yeah, not yet. But... God damn it, John, you don't even know if they exist? Hold up, hold up. Come on, Boston. Come here, sit down. Hear me out, okay? According to the ancient legend... Great fairy tales. The books of magic possess mm. all knowledge, all history, past, present, future. The answer to all of life's biggest mysteries. Every organised rebellion in the world has tried to suppress it. Every government has attempted to exploit it. It's like the farmer's almanac for mystics and magicians. Long rumoured to be missing, considered a myth by most. The books were lost to history. That is until recently. Who found it? I don't know. Some reckless greedy wanker who doesn't know first thing about magic. It's mere unearthing has triggered a cosmic rupture. What does Woodrue want with it? To end civilization. <laughs> that old chestnut. With a secret plan he calls Project Inanna. What does that mean? I was hoping you knew. I mean, okay, sure. That's a very compelling argument, but... Call Dr. Fate. Give the Shadow Pact a ring. They love that kind of shit. I mean, I'm no hero. You know that. And neither are you, John. The Costume Brigade! Give us a break, mate. We're talking about bad magic here. The voodoo that I do. It's my expertise. Those tossers in tights wouldn't know first thing about it. John, look. I never wanted to be a ghost. Haunting and searching the world for my murderer. I no longer want to be special in any way. I just want to be human again. You help me, Boston. I'll make you human again. And I'll get you killer, whatever it takes. I promise. <laughs> you promise? I always keep my promises, mate. You're serious about this? I'm sorry for last time, mate. For lying and all that. I was wrong. John Constantine, saying he's sorry. It must be the end of the world. Desperate times, mate. Desperate measures. So, who else is in our little crew? So, is that a fly? That sounded that like I a heard? fly. It did. And interestingly, in the script, it does say that the fly... It's acting suspicious, like it's it, it's, it's suspicious. It's, it's like it's like spying on them. Like it's it's clear that it's spying on them. Something else to point out here: Dead Man is a ghost. Yeah. So in this scene, I was going to ask. That's exactly what I was thinking. Constantine can see him, yeah. but no one else can. Uh, okay. And it actually says that people in the pub are looking at him weird. weirdly. Yeah. I wasn't sure no in that scene whether he was in Constantine and he was talking to him. Right. Like, yeah, to- yeah. No, they're sitting across from each other, but, but no, no one, one else, else can, can see him. him. Yeah. Yes. So Woodrow. His transformation continues. His face is half covered in black mold now. His hair is stringy and greasy and clinging to his scalp. There's clumps of dirt in it. He finds Abby and he tells her that Alec Holland has something that he needs. That the bio-restormative formula, that was just the beginning. The first step. And he advances menacingly. And she blasts him with a shotgun all of a sudden. And he flies backwards. But his body regenerates suddenly. T-1000 style. 
T-1000 stuff, but like yeah. vines and, yeah, and, and such. Stems and vines and branches intertwining into sinewy tissue and tendons. <laughs> he plucks a white flower from behind Abby's hair, and he senses that this this was a gift from the swamp. <laughs> there you are, old friend. Because, of course, something connected is connected to, to everything. Things, yeah. We cut away. But it doesn't look good for Abby. No. Constantine and Boston Brand, they go to a theatre. They're seeing a performance of Zatanna. They see her huge magic act. She's doing the classic trapped in a tank of water magic trick. But it's all going wrong. People <gasps> start panicking and the lights go out. When suddenly she reappears across the theatre, bone dry. The audience erupt in applause. Constantine, he's standing at the back. He's just smiling wryly. Yeah, he knows, he knows it's what's good, going on. Good tricks. Yeah, yeah, good. Backstage now, we see Zatanna and her new boyfriend, Brad. <laughs> Brad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he seems nervous. Oh, no. Zatanna, suddenly she knows why he's nervous. Because he's reaching into his pocket and he's bumbling a speech about taking it to the next level. Oh. And he pulls out a ring box. Oh, no, she's she's trying to let him down easily. She's clearly uncomfortable. When suddenly (coughs) he coughs up a black feather and then another black feather and then another black feather till the room starts to look like it was the aftermath of a pillow fight. So she's clearly putting a cheeky little spell on him to stop him from speaking. He suddenly, he, he gets up and he bolts to his feet, face red with embarrassment, and he runs out of the room, leaving a floating trail of feathers behind him. When there's someone familiar in the doorway. He's a bit of a get, eh? John Constantine. I should have known. A numbers and figures, Manzi. You deserve better. Now I have to chase the poor guy down and apologize for you. Brad's fine. Don't you worry. Your show was fantastic, by the way. And you look absolutely... Ah! You're still mad. I get it. What do you want? I can bring back your father. Fuck up, fuck up. Does anyone like you, John? Who who, who the hell is this? Boston Brand. Uh, An old friend. We are not friends. Hi, Zatanna. I'm like a huge fan, like your number one fan. Really? I saw the Do You Believe TV special back in 09. I was there in the front row when you made the Hoover Dam disappear. You were there? In Vegas? No clue how you did that. I'm putting together a cruise Me, Boston here, and even the old walking salad has joined the team. Swamp Thing? Didn't you have a fling with- With his girlfriend, yes. Why does everyone know about that? You were able to convince Alec. Yeah, not yet, but... Well, good luck to you, John. Now, if you and Team Awesome will excuse me, I have another show in 15. I don't think you heard me, Z. I can bring back your dad. Fuck up, Field Series. Fuck up. Hold on. Hold on. Jesus. That was awesome. Okay, look. Will you let me explain? You have one minute. Your father used to tell stories about the books of magic, remember? Well, I know where the books are. I need you, Z. If you want to see your father again, 
and I know you do. I need you to work the spells in the books. No one knows the way around a spell like you do. If it weren't for you, John, my father would still be here with me. I'm sorry. If it weren't for you, John, we wouldn't need to be searching for the books to reverse the curse you put on him. That was an accident. He wasn't supposed to be at that seance. If it weren't for the promises you broke... We broke, Z. The promise we broke. Whoa, whoa, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I got close to you once, John, and paid a heavy price for it. I don't want anything to do with you. That's the address of where we're going, the place where the books are stashed. If you want to see your father, Z, please reconsider. i got to ask, though. What do you see in that bloke, eh? <laughs> He's normal, John. There's no battling demons or evil sorcerers or cheating on me with a warlock. He likes to make popcorn and watch the Big Bang Theory. You'll be back. He's a real piece of work, this John Constantine. This John he? Constantine, he gets around. He does get around. But one thing I cannot, cannot abide by is, is a Brad big, <laughs> is a Big Bang Theory reference, Cambo. <laughs> no film should have a Big Bang Theory reference. I'm sorry. But I was interested because Constantine, he's he's such a he's such a duplicitous guy. Everyone he he's, meets doesn't want to talk, talk to, to him. him. He's wronged Beats everyone. He's, lied he's to dated everyone. half of them. Exactly. So I did ask Michael about what it was like writing a character like that. I loved it. I mean, I, I absolutely loved uh, John Constantine, and I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. And and I I love these type of characters that are fighting really really hard for something. They have a big dream, and uh, and Constantine Constantine had a big dream. Which was he wanted to be legitimized. He wanted he wanted to be taken seriously the way that the costumes are, you know. And uh, I think you know he wanted to have his own team and he wanted to be taken seriously. And he wanted to be respected, but of course he can't help being who he is. When you're writing a character like that, do you need to almost approach it two ways? Of what is John saying, but what does he really want? You know, like he he always has an ulterior motive with everyone he's talking to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. There's there's kind of what he. What he says he wants, and then what he really wants, you know. And and when you're playing with these things, uh, you, you, when you write these things, you have to be aware aware of the duality, right? And then, of course, in the middle of all, there, he's also just a human being. Yeah, yeah. Mate, so, I love these insights. This is so good. We've gone deeper than ever I, before. This is so. <laughs> I can't. I can't see our way out. We're so deep. <laughs> so, Zatanna, she's told. Take she said, "Take, take her, her, yeah, in backwards." Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, you said it's spell. <laughs> After he leaves, who should appear? Buzz, buzz, buzz. Oh. The clarion, and he actually he he declares his love because he Tana, loves it. Yeah. Yes, and uh, he he tried. You know, he declares his love for her, but feeling rejected and knocked back, he instantly leaves there and he finds Woodrow because he feels like he's been wronged. So he's teaming up with. He's yeah, teaming okay. up. We should also point out that in this, Zatanna is like a world famous. Yeah, uh, she's got TV specials. She's selling out arenas, uh, and so this this beautiful famous magician is is wronged. Clarion, so he's gone, and he says to Woodrow, "There's another group forming to get his books." Yeah. Clarion offers to help Woodrow in exchange if Woodrow would help Clarion become human again. The pair now have Abby strapped to a chair. She's half-conscious and drugged in Woodrow's laboratory. Woodrow begins 
to transform into something plant-based, something not human at all. His nerves suddenly become brown and knotted like tree root branching out of him. And he says, I sense every blade of grass. I hear their voices, every root, every branch, the trees, the moss. I am everywhere. I see it all, feel it all. It's, it's too much. We cut away to a lagoon in a moon pool, into a mossy field tree, up into a tree knot. Orange eye pops up. Swamp thing's coming. Well, we have come to the end of part one of our report on Guillermo del Toro's Justice League Dark Project. What do you think of the episode so far? And did we miss anything? We would love to hear from you. Uh, It would also be terrific if you could subscribe. Be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you like to listen. That really helps us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could leave us a five-star rating. That helps us a lot. Eden, do you have an example of the kind of review someone might leave? I certainly do, my friend. I have a review, five-star review, that says, Such a great idea. Absolutely love listening to this podcast. Uh, The voice actors do a fantastic job and amp the presenters. Uh, Every single episode has had me laughing about something. Brilliant podcast, and that was from Kit Kat Tiff. Kit Kat Tiff, and you can do that in-app right now. Any any chocolate bar, if you want to write in at all, <laughs> Snickers, uh, yeah, Kit Kat, Crunchy, just go for your life. If you do want to support the show and you've enjoyed it, uh, consider subscribing to our Patreon. It's where you're going to hit the full uncut interview between myself and Michael Gilio on there, as well as a bonus podcast we have on there called Casting Calls. We talk about the what-ifs of Hollywood casting and we make the scenes real. Hey, if there's a cancelled movie project you've always wanted to hear about, just let us know. You can always get in touch with us via cancelmovies at gmail.com or at cancelmovies on all of the socials. We need to give a shout out to Michael Gilio, oh, who took the time. Play. He will be back next week as well, Love but he it. took the time to sit down with us and discuss this script. We also equally need to give a great shout out to our amazing voice cast, who are Dom Steele as Constantine, Jay Zeta as Boston Brand, Danny Silla as Zatanna. Michael Hahn is Swamp Thing. Uh, Teresa Giusino as Abby Arcane. And Bill Sunderland was Carl Carnahan. My name is Michael Campbell. I've hosted and edited this episode. And Eden Porter, he was my co-host as well. Thanks for having me, Cambo. And we both produced the show. Make sure you're listening next week to find out how this all comes together, what Woodrow's up to, and how Swamp Thing's going to react. But if you want a little sneak peek, here's a little preview. What on earth are you doing here? What is the meaning of this? Let's get down to taxi. The books are magic. Do you have the key to the safe where the books are stashed? What do you want, John? I don't have time for any of your con jobs. You're looking at the bright new team that's going to save the world. (laughs) You! Save the world? We could use a smart man like you, Jason Blood. Someone who knows all about the books. But until then, take care.